1: And welcome everyone to episode 12 of the Tomahawk Take podcast. I am your host Jake Mastriani, and joining me as always is Alan Carpenter. Good evening. And Fred Owens. Good evening, y'all. And guys, we are almost a week into spring training games, and the calendar is about to turn to March, and so we're getting closer and closer to Opening Day. And you know, I got to say, I'm ready. You know, I was excited about the spring training games getting started, and you know, again, we're, we're barely a week through, and I'm already excited and ready for the real stuff but still got just about a month left to go before we start the season on the road in Arizona but it's been been a fun first week of spring training games uh, getting to see a lot of new faces out there on the field and before we get into some more of the newsier items for this week I wanted to talk about what we've seen on the field so far I know talking beforehand uh, I know we all haven't been able to to catch all the games and not all of them have been on TV, but I think there's a couple of people so far that have stood out to me at least. I know spring training stats are meaningless at this point, or really at, at any point, and obviously the results are. But you know, I, mainly in spring training, I like to see guys that you know we haven't seen before. Uh, I don't care anything about the veterans at this point. Freddie Freeman's going to be starting on opening day. Ronald is going to be there on opening day. I like seeing the the young guys and the prospects and. Uh, two guys that I think have impressed me the most so far, are, you know, Shay Langoliers and, and Bryce Ball. Uh, I think they've got a lot of the attention, you know, early in spring training. Uh, Langoliers, both with the, the arm, the cannon arm, catcher. Uh, and then he also hit a, a big home run the other day. Uh, and then Bryce Ball, just a, a behemoth of a man. 24th round draft pick, I believe. And he took a ball that was, you know, down and away the other day and drove it out to, to left center field. Was a pretty impressive swing. So excited to to see him uh, and see what he can do. Obviously, I I don't know what the future is going to hold for him as he's a first baseman, I but I, if that bat plays like it is or, or has and you know, they'll find a spot for him somewhere and you know, perhaps the DH is here in a couple of years and that kind of takes care of itself, but uh, those are two guys that you know, I've really enjoyed seeing early on and um, have been excited you know, to see them on the field. Uh, So, Alan or Fred, is there anybody else that you've been able to see so far that has stood out to you? I watched the game that was on MLB Network, and uh,
2: I saw a little bit of uh, Patrick Weigel, and then they showed some uh, highlights of Phil Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer wasn't really sharp, but his stuff was really nasty. He looked really good to me for somebody in these first real outing and ball. Of course, when they brought him up in the, uh, or signed him up in the 24th round and I went and started watching his, uh, his videos, I was impressed with him and seeing him live, uh, hit that home run, uh, was kind of impressive, uh, as well. I want to calm people about Travis Darnot. He, it was his first game with, with those pitchers, and, and he didn't look really good, but again, He's just meeting these guys for the first time. He probably has their names written on the back of his hands. So he'll remember who it is. And certainly when he got into those guys who who are there to make up the numbers, uh, you can't be, can't blame him for not blocking pitches that bounced at 56 feet and went over his head. So, uh, you know, early in the spring, like I said, the veterans don't mind me. I like the ball. And David O'Brien said today that Dansby was in mid-season form with line drive doubles to the opposite field. So, yay, Dansby good for that
1: yeah Dans the past couple of games I know for sure is uh, hit the ball much better so that was good to see and he hit the ball great last spring and it, he carried that into the season so uh, hopefully you can do it again this year and hopefully stay healthy all year but uh, Alan anybody else stood out to you
3: I haven't had a good chance to watch anything uh, in person yet and that's disappointing but at the same time you're right you can't draw a lot right now but I, I do like what I've seen and heard about a couple of these guys and, and just one observation. Uh, and that that's about uh, Bryce ball. He's uh, out of Dallas Baptist university. That program down there probably bears watching uh, a lot because over the years they've produced a whole lot of guys. Uh, ben Zobris came out of there. Uh, Ryan Goings came out of there and, and now here's, here's Bryce ball. Yet another one. I, I don't know if, People just sort of randomly uh, draft the best hitter out of there every year just because it's a a good bet that he could get to the majors. But uh, it's an interesting program to keep track of.
1: Yeah, and, you know, obviously I'm a big college baseball guy. I I write a little bit for college baseball daily. But, yeah, Dallas Baptist is a, a good school, been a good college baseball school for a while. You know, this past weekend they went to North Carolina, who's a, you know, a great baseball school in their own right and took two or three from them in a series. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a great, great school produced a lot of of good talent. And, you know, Braves are certainly hoping that Bryce Paul is the next one in line there to do big things and heard a lot about him after he got drafted and had a big, you know, first year in the minors. So it's nice to get my eyes on him more and, and see what he can do.
3: Yeah, are we starting to lobby for the DH in the National League now? There, <laughs> <is> there, <laughs> no, going in
1: right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you'll ever quite fully get me on board with that, but, yeah, it seems like the Braves could have theirs if if and when it does finally come because it, it will come, unfortunately, um, at some point.
3: Yeah, the kid is not even 22 yet, and he's accidentally hitting home runs. I, I like it.
1: And I guess the other thing that we're talking about is the the final rotation spots. Uh, Again, we're just, you know, one time through the pitching cycle, but the time recording this Felix is the only one that's made two starts, but I think it's still worth talking about because it just feels like, you know, there's a real push for Felix to make this opening day roster. I I don't know why exactly I'm getting that feeling, but it it almost just seems like as long as he goes out there and does a decent job that the Braves are going to, give him a shot and so far through two outings I mean he's done you know everything that you could ask of him and you know he's I know we were talking before and he hasn't faced anybody and I get that but you know I watched his first start and you know it, it looked like Felix Hernandez other than the fastball but I mean all of his his pitches have movement and that's what he's going to have to rely on it's just you know whether or not he can have movement in the zone to create weak contact you know I wrote after his first start that the only time he got hit hard is when he fell behind in the count and he had to come in with a fastball. And the uh, I forget who the hitter was, because I don't know any, any of the hitters on that Orioles team, but the guy roped it to, to center field. So, you know, as long as he can, you know, have movement within the zone with his off speed pitches, I think he'll be OK. But, uh, Alan, I'll go to you first. I mean, what are your thoughts on the rotation and, and Felix Hernandez, you know, possibly getting one of those spots?
3: I got to think that he came to Atlanta with the understanding that he was going to be given every possible opportunity to win a spot. And, of course, that was at the time where the only spot available was essentially Sean Newcomb's spot, number five. So the fact that we at least temporarily will have two spots open on the rotations really makes that feel a little bit more real, even though I keep looking at him and I keep thinking Wandy Rodriguez, because Wandy, about three years ago or so came in and looked really good in spring for, for quite a while, but then tended to start fading towards the back half of spring training and ended up getting cut before the end. And another guy was signed in his place. So I gotta wonder if, Felix may be heading on that same kind of path, too, as we get more regulars in. We'll have to find out and track that better. Um, He is doing okay so far. Almost five innings. He struck out six. His whip is under one. All that is exactly the kind of thing you want to see, especially when he's not exactly facing top competition. But you got to wonder if it's going to be sustainable. And and, all that said... We are talking about the fifth spot in the rotation. He does not have to be a lights-out guy. He does not have to be a shutdown guy. He just has to keep the Braves in games. There's a likelihood that he could probably do that. The question is whether you want to go with him and his experience or try and go with one of the kids. So far, the kids haven't really been stepping up. But then again, they've only had one shot at it. So, we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, no, my thing is with, you know, and I've, I'm, I've said on here before, I would love to see... Felix bounce back with the Braves and have a great year or at least a, a couple of good starts, maybe a good April until Hamels is healthy. But at the same time, if Kyle Wright comes out here and is the Kyle Wright that we hope he's going to be, you know, I don't want Felix blocking him. Um, and that's what I'm kind of afraid of. Wright looked decent in his first start. I mean, two innings, two strikeouts, only allowed a hit. I mean, I mean, still, it's too early to draw much from that. but um, you know, if Wright and Felix are about the same, give me give me Kyle Wright. Um, the other thing I think could happen is if Newcomb struggles with his command and and they feel like he's better fit in the bullpen, then, you know, perhaps Wright and Felix make the rotation and they put Newcomb back in the bullpen. I think that's a possibility as well. But, uh, Fred, what are your, your thoughts on Felix and rotation right now? I wish Felix would
2: come down and have an Anibal Sanchez kind of year. I really would like to see King Felix come back and, you know, at least be Prince Felix in this, okay? (laughs) But I I keep worrying about that when you said, well, until he got behind in the count and he had to throw a fastball, and that's a problem because big league hitters are going to put him behind in the count a lot if he can't locate that fastball early. I heard someone suggest, and it's not an awful idea, that Felix starts out maybe being that fifth kind of starter and then transitions into middle inning relief and hangs around for the year doing middle inning relief. Comes in throw, throws a couple of innings or an inning here and there because you know, coming in one inning after following a hard throw, if he follows faulty into the game or or um, freed into a game uh, and comes in throwing some off speed stuff, he could be really difficult to adjust to. Um, and he knows how to pitch. He doesn't get scared by the big moment. So. Maybe that's a problem, but I think you know maybe out of spring training, Alan's Alan's right. He came down with get, get under the understanding he's only to be given every chance to get a spot. There's two open. I would prefer to see Wright and the other three guy, other three rookies fight it out over that fifth spot. Um, but uh, I I think if there's two open. He's going to get one of them unless he just can't hold up spring training at all.
1: Yeah, no, that's kind of the feeling I get too. As long as he is just you know average, even I think he's going to get a get a shot. All right, anything else, you know, not just Braves related, but anything else that has stuck out to you in the first week of games, anything Braves or around the league that's really caught your eye? Well, the Yankees are falling apart. Yeah, for sure.
2: The Yankees need a MASH unit down there because everybody's getting hurt. I I saw they had Andahar playing left field, uh, which is interesting, Uh, and their pitching staff's coming apart. People are already talking about who they're going to trade for. I don't think that necessarily hurts them because they played last year without Stanton uh, and they won a whole bunch of games and I think their pitch gonna come together I don't know that anybody's there the Rays are probably going to be tougher for them than anybody else uh, that uh, Galen pitches is pitching for the Diamondbacks and he looks like he's the real deal too So that's about what I've seen
1: yeah no certainly uh, I hate to say that I hate it for the Yankees but you know they are getting a little beat up but I wouldn't worry too much about it I, I think the American League is very top heavy and Like you said, the Yankees were beat up more than anyone last year and still won over 100 games. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. And uh, my biggest worry there is just Stanton. I saw a tweet today with all the things that he's been injured with over the past couple, you know, several years. And it's just like, you know, it doesn't look good. And that contract is is not great. Alan, anything else stick out to you around the league so far?
3: Other than the fact that Stanton still like something like $216 million. <laughs> yeah. That's just an enormous sum. Um, what are the Mets doing? <laughs>
1: I, uh, Tim Tebow hit a home run, so yeah, he, he could be uh, up this year. And I,
3: I saw something that I'm trying to figure out if it was real or not, that he was going to play for the Philippines in the World Baseball Classic. I don't know. But, no, it's about pitching. I don't know what in the world they're, they're going to try and do something weird about uh, – the the back end of their rotation, and that, that just seems kind of odd, but it sounds like they're contemplating some sort of a tag team arrangement between Steven Matz and Michael Walker for the fifth starter's role, and maybe not even start one of them, but have an opener. It's kind of bizarre. Also notice that Diaz isn't doing so well to start with. I don't know about Dylan Batanzas yet, but it it just looks like the Mets are kind of doing Mets kind of things again. And that's okay. That does that yeah. well for the Braves. Yeah, I'm um,
1: Perfectly fine with that.
3: I saw Jake Arietta gave up uh, the house in his first start. That's okay too. Yeah, I, I don't see a lot of challenges to the Braves going right now. And, and that's, the, you know, in as much as you want to say spring training doesn't matter, individual performances sometimes do if they're bad ones. And you got to look at some of those and and wonder if perhaps some of these other teams are are not doing well, and that just makes the Braves look that much better. Uh, The Braves pitching overall is stunningly good, really, even though there have been some uh, individual hiccups. The ERA is down around like one so far. Now, granted, yeah, they play the Orioles, they play the Cardinals, the Tigers, and, and the Twins, and I, I think most of that was uh, road teams, uh, so you can't, can't take a lot of solace in that. But at the same time, it, it's still a good sign that they're getting off to a good start. I, I like seeing uh, pitching get, get off to a good start because where they're healthy and they're happy and they're getting confidence, that bodes well.
2: Yeah. Speaking of the Mets, if I can jump in, Brandon Nimmo has to have an extra cardiac test. You know, I don't want to say anybody hurt. I hope, I hope Brandon Nimmo comes out of that fine. They, they're saying it's routine, but routine stuff like this doesn't get published because everybody gets three or four heart scans during their spring training time. So I'm, I really hope that for Nimmo's sake and the Mets sake and these fans that Net- Nimmo comes out of this fine with a clean bill of health because they have enough injury problems as it is. And Brandon Nimmo seems like a
1: nice kid.
3: Yeah, and heart problems with a guy who's 20-something or any kind of heart hiccup at all has is, is got to be worrisome.
1: I think MLB TV is taunting me at the moment. During the commercial break, they showed uh, Tyler Flowers hitting into a triple play, and then they also showed Bryce Harper hitting a home run against the Braves. So, um, <laughs> MLB TV hates us all, I guess. Yeah. Into kind of the big topic uh, of this past week, and it's the you know Freddie Freeman news coming out of a Jeff Schultz article. First, I think the article came first talking about what Freddie kind of went through last year uh, to stay on the field, you know, taking heavy painkillers and just not being able to shampoo at times. But I think we already knew that, and just falling on his elbow in a game and, and physically crying on the field. Uh, I mean, it seems like it was a lot worse than, you know, we thought and maybe he was letting on and that was the first part of it. And there's a lot that came out of that, you know, people, you know, calling Freddie a a drug addict and all of this and talking about how terrible it was, what he, what he put his body through to play last year. And then I don't think it was, you know, a day later that Freddie gets scratched from a game because it's his elbows barking. So a lot of Freddie Freeman stuff, you know, this week and, uh, Fred, I'll kind of start with you here. I mean, what is your takeaway from, you know, the article and, and Freddie being hurt? How, how concerned are you about uh, the Braves' first baseman right now?
2: Well, I think that you know, this uh, soreness in his elbow is is probably scar tissue. The, the uh, and after surgery, uh, stuff gets stuck together in there. It's got to break loose. I'm not worried about it now. If if it's the last week of spring training, I'm worried. But right now, that doesn't bother me. What does bother me is that this has been going on for years, that he's been taking painkillers for years and didn't get it fixed. That's a problem. If you've got the face of your franchise signed for a long time and intending to keep him forever, you don't let him do things to his body that are going to, in the short term, um, maybe win something for you and in the long-term uh, make him less a player. And I think this is a mistake. This is what this is, this macho stuff that you know, you've got to play through it because 80% of you is better than a hundred percent of somebody else. No, it's not. It's not. If the 80% of you means that later you're only up to, you're only 70% of who you used to be. The elbow could have been fixed, should have been fixed years ago. May not have been the same situation, you know, Peter did dad done in 2017 when he said it was hurting them too. So why if, you know, why do you do this? I know guys are like that. I just don't think it's a smart idea. I don't think the medical staff should have been giving him all that stuff during the year. If it hurts that bad, get it fixed. Uh, yeah. That's just me, but that's the way I feel about it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a big takeaway for me too, is the fact that, you know, I've, I've heard him say in other places that it's been hurting for you know, he said this is the first time it hasn't hurt in nine years. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You, you've you been hurting that long and you haven't taken care of it. That to me is, you know, the, the biggest takeaway in all this. And, you know, the fact that the, the training staff and stuff didn't say, hey, why don't you, you know, just get this taken care of and in the off season or or even during the season, if it's just going to cost you, you know, a, a month or two. Yeah, that's the most, you know, thing that's, that's harder to understand is, why did it take so long for him to to get this taken care of so uh, i'm with you I, I don't think you know the the setback that he's having now in spring is that big of a deal it sounds like he could be back out there next week again we're still in february right now as you know antopolis said you know this is no reason to rush him out there hitters especially veteran hitters don't need more than you know 15 30 at bats you know to get ready for the season so that I'm not concerned on at all, but yeah, the fact that it's been hurting him for so long and he just, you know, continue to take painkillers to deal with it instead of actually getting surgery done or doing something about it is the most baffling thing uh, to me. So Alan, I know you wrote something on it the other day, but what what are your kind of thoughts on the whole Freeman situation?
3: Fred spoke it very well and I am in agreement with him all the way. Cause if yeah the, this 80% of Friedman, Kind of crap is, you know, it may give him 70% of a career if if this kind of thing keeps up. If If it's chronic, if it continues to come back, he needs to continue to look after his body and... Yeah, I want to play too, (laughs) okay? (laughs) I can't, but I I would like to play too if I were on the team. But at some point, you have to say no. And painkillers and adrenaline shots and whatever kind of other treatment he was getting. I mean, come on, Freddie. Let know when to say no, all right? Please, for the the sake of you, we'll, we'll manage otherwise. The team will be fine. You, you you just get yourself healthy and get back to it. But uh, until then, we don't need to have you in the lineup tomorrow. We don't need to have you in the lineup the next day. We need to have you in the lineup when you're 100% again. And that's the reality of it. And I, I just hope he starts adhering to that kind of thing because, yeah, all these uh, things have been coming out. It's been kind of scary.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's crazy how much the fan base has kind of even turned on him to a degree. I mean – a lot of people were really upset with the way, you know, last year ended. It was painfully obvious to everyone watching that this wasn't the same Freddie Freeman. And he kept telling everybody, he's fine. I'm fine. You, you know, nothing's wrong here. And uh, I, I mean, it was it was just obvious to everybody that wasn't the case. And now we, we hear, you know, how bad it, it really was. And, you know, fact of the matter is he really hurt the Braves in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, there's. There's no other way to say it. And, you know, I love Freddie Freeman. I'll always love Freddie Freeman. I hope he's with the Braves forever. But this is, you know, this is a little damaging to uh, to his legacy a little bit, you know, depending on how things go from here on out, because this actually has a fan base that I didn't think could ever turn on him, you know, starting to, to turn on him a little bit. Uh, so that's, you know, another surprising aspect of this, you know, but I have full confidence in Freddie you know, going forward, I, I think he'll, he'll be he- healthy. Uh, and I think he'll still, he still has some big seasons ahead of him. Another thing that I don't think we've talked about or really that I've heard mentioned is the fact that, you know, he's a, he's a free agent after uh, the 2021 season. Um, And you have to, you have to think the Braves, you know, obviously I, they want to re- re-sign him or extend them, um, but they have to take into account this whole elbow thing. And if it's going to be a you know, a reoccurring issue, which I don't think it is. Everybody says that, you know, the doctors have said that this isn't something that should come back up now that it's been cleaned out, but certainly something the Braves will have to be cautious with when, you know, thinking about extending him. Alan, any, any thoughts on that? You think this affects the possible extension talks with him at all?
3: Well, I did hear he bought a house or built a house in in California, Santa Monica, I think it was. And, that was a little surprising because, yeah, he's from out there and, and, and such, but I thought he was uh, more or less committed to the Atlanta area. So that was a little bit uh, of an interesting little point there that might come into play when when that contract comes up. But I'm still going to take him at his word right now that he wants to be an Atlanta Brave forever, and I hope that he follows through on that. I hope that the Braves follow through on it on his behalf and – the only other thing I'm thinking is here we are with another minor elbow ailment. At least that's what we're being told. And I, I got to wonder, are they lying to us again? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. He wants to play already. He thinks he can get back in the lineup again. And it's like, you know, are we doing the same thing again?
1: Yeah, and I get it. It's Freddie Freeman. You want him in the lineup every day. I want him in the lineup every day. But is it really that big of a deal if he starts, you know, 150 or 155 games a year? You know, if that's what it takes to keep him fresh, you know, through the season. I mean, this is at least two years in a row that I can think of where he's really uh, fallen off down the stretch, you know, where he's had MVP seasons going um, and he just tailed off in the, the last month. So, yeah. you know maybe it's time for him to to realize and and I think Snicker and and Antopolis I think maybe they give him too much of a leash on this and somebody's going to have to step up and say you know you're you're not you're not playing today and you know I get it it's hard to it's hard to do that it, it doesn't make sense to do that it's Freddie Freeman if he's healthy you want him in the lineup but uh, again history's kind of shown us that you know getting a, a couple of days off you know, here and there can can help you out down the stretch. So, Fred, any other thoughts on that? First of all, I read a little one-line piece the other day in one
2: of the, from one of the beat writers that said, and the Braves are really hoping Yonder Alonso can be a bench bat. Oh, boy. Ben, he does <laughs> not have that reputation, and if they want him on the bench as that 26th man, there's a reason, and it isn't his bat. Now, saying that, the other part of this is also that when you're the reason you get bits floating around in your elbow is that the movement of the ligament across the elbow joint wears them off. And re- cleanouts can sometimes lead to other issues. Uh, you've you've seen we've seen players go in and have their elbow cleaned out a couple of times, and then a year later, year and a half later, they require um, UCL surgery, or they have a problem with the flexor tendon, or they have more bits floating around in there. Elbows um, aren't, as bad, aren't as bad as shoulders, which have bits floating around in them all the time. But the wear in there that causes those bits—the movement back and forth of the, of the UCL and all those muscles across that bone in there—wear bits off. It's like sort of rubbing a rope back and forth across a across a board. Eventually, something's going to wear out. Now. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen to Freddie tomorrow or next week, next month or next year, but there is there has to be something out there someone out there cautioning conservative use of Freddie, smart use of him rest as as Jake suggested and and let's get let's extend his life as a brave and in braves uniform in his first base as long as we can and keep him healthy as as healthy as we can as long as we can. Um, but I, I don't think he's running away from Atlanta. He said he wants to start and finish there. I take him at his word uh, that he wants to start and finish there. And he can afford two houses if he wants.
3: There's, there's that. I, I noted also some, and I, I wish I could remember the reference that he was going to perhaps be a little more mindful about the throwing he's doing. And that, uh, that kind of raised a uh, eyebrow on me as well for the same kind of reason you're talking about there, Fred. I mean, Pitchers are not the only guys that get Tommy John surgery. We've we've seen that with catchers. We've seen that with a few infielders here and there. Didi Gregorius being one of those. So any excess throwing can exacerbate that kind of problem.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, I think we're all on the same page, page here. I mean, we all love Freddie Freeman. We want him to be a brave and see him healthy and and see him with the Braves for the rest of his career. But you know, we obviously you know wish the best for him as a person too, and just want to see him healthy and and not having to rely so much on painkillers just to to get out there on the field. So best wishes to Freddie. Hope hope that he's okay and hope he's back out there soon. came out this week, and I'm going to let Fred run on this because this is uh, way over my my head, and I haven't really read much into it, but the Braves' uh, revenue came out this week. AJC, AJC uh, put out an article talking about the Braves' revenue increase to a, a franchise record is what the headline says, but uh, there's more to it once you get into the story. So, uh, Fred, I'll just kind of let you uh, summarize this up uh, for dummies like me and uh, give your, your thoughts on it.
2: There's really two parts of Braves revenue. Braves revenue comes from baseball activities, obviously, and then from what they call development income. Now, the baseball activities income went up uh, about twenty-six thousand, twenty-eight thousand dollars. It's four hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars, or four hundred thirty-eight million dollars for for baseball income this year. That's up from four hundred four million last year, um, and the reason for that is. It, Really, probably the, last, the fact that we played five um, postseason games instead of three because the way that the the uh, money from the postseason games is distributed, uh, the Braves got like 42.5% of each of the extra games uh, gate, gate receipts um and that could actually be the the money that uh with the price of tickets and everything that could actually be the money that pushed it from 404 to 438 of course that's that's a guess because we really never know uh what the actual gate is on any of these uh any of these games anymore it split up such a odd way under the major league rules you know 15 percent of the commissioner and 60 percent of the players pool and this that and the other but the the baseball revenue went up slightly. You had a hundred thousand, just under a hundred thousand more fans over the season than that. And and the Braves own all the concessions, and so they don't pay anybody to manage the concessions now, like a third company. Uh, so they got some money from that. The development income uh, is where uh, it's it's not as straightforward as it looks on the on the balance sheet. The balance sheet shows that last year's development income was thirty eight million dollars. And this year's development income was $38 million, and it looks like it's a flat number. And that's not really the case. Uh, the development income for, for, from the Battery Atlanta in 2000, 2018 was $10 million. And the development income from the Battery Atlanta in 2019 was $10 million until they sold those rental properties off and, and pushed it to $38 million. This year, the development income, without selling anything else, is 38 million. That's an increase in the recurring rental incomes that for the season of 28 million dollars, folks. So that what that means is that the uh, the plan from LMC and the Braves to build a development and use that money to uh, plus up the Braves bank account is working um, better than they expected it to um the well may i they project the battery to hit its maximum in 20, 2022 or 2023 at that kind of that kind of pace if and it's certainly you know it's not going to go up in huge 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 lumps like it did this year 180% but if you think that if, if it went up 28 million if they're getting 38 million a year out of the out of the uh, in revenue from the uh, battery uh, that's going into the Braves bank account, and that's money they used, uh, along with the extra money from the postseason, and from the increased, the uh, increased attendance, and from the increased stuff with the, uh, with the uh, concessions and stuff, and that's what they've used to push the payroll to the point, highest point it's ever been. And uh, when you say that, you know, well, Liberty Media isn't helping us, that's just simply incorrect, because. The, the methodology behind the battery is being used in, all, in Arlington, where they're building that new ballpark there. If you read the proposal for the Oakland ballpark, it is built exactly around that, that idea that, hey, we can get more money if we build and own this development area around here, and we can, we can um, make ourselves better off for that. Uh, so the idea is good it's working and uh it's uh, it's it's good to see a plan come together that's right it's, it's just a good product all the way around lmc have done their part braves holdings have done their part and uh, as a result we've got uh 150 million dollar thereabouts uh,
3: payroll
1: yeah so now that the business portion of the podcast uh is complete um, <laughs> now but i appreciate uh, fred going over that and Uh, Fred, I know we'll have an article up in the next couple of days kind of detailing that even further, so be on the lookout for that.
3: Let me throw in another little ditty here, too. Uh, while they spent about $50 million over budget on the new spring facility in Northport, that's now done, and it's paid for. So that's another expense that they don't have to deal with either. So in, in terms of the indebtedness, they've still got to continue to finish paying off the construction costs of the stadium and the battery. But that, that's at least one more. Yeah, they're, they're, they're done with the construction now, so they can just deal with reaping of the revenues, and that's going to help in the long term as well.
2: Third phase of the battery is still underway, uh, okay. and there's there's some, there's some going to be some uh, borrowing against that. In fact, there has been, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but the borrowing against the, the battery is uh, is going to turn up, and it's something that they're going to pay for out of this, but as the battery gets more and more complete, the income grows as well, so it, it's really, you it have to spend money to make money.
1: Let's get let's uh finish it off here with a little more uh, baseball talk. Uh, and this is uh, an interview that Alex Antopolis had on uh, Mad Dog. Uh, and I didn't get a chance to listen to this, so I'll, I'll send it back to Fred. But uh, apparently uh, Antopolis was talking about, you know, third base uh, options and the, the battle there with Riley and Camargo. So, Fred, I'll let you kind of kick us off uh, on what Antopolis had to say uh, on the Mad, on Mad Dog's radio show. Well, the,
2: the, the interview, most of the interview is fairly the innocuous stuff. You know, how's Cole Hamels going to do? Who's going to be your fifth spot, fifth starter. And it was all pretty much what we said. Well, they're going, this will all work it out. We're not worried about Hamels. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I have a new contract and all that. The one thing that caught my ear as I was trying to eat lunch and watch this was mad dog, asked him about the third base situation. He said, no, you've been asked about this a hundred times. So tell me about third base there for a minute. And and thought, listen, well, you know, we have, uh, nobody can replace Josh Donaldson because he's one of the, the well, he said he's probably the number one third baseman in the game. I think that's a serious overstatement, but he's right in that uh, replacing the edge and the leadership and the defense and the bat. with well, Donaldson can't be done with one person the way the team was set up. And then he said, so we're looking at a combination of Camargo and Riley. Uh, Camargo had a really good 2018. Uh, Riley showed what he could do when he came up uh, initially. So we're looking for a real good combination of there. And what he said next was what, what made my ears sort of tingle a little bit. He said, looking at that combination of Riley, whoever breaks camp with us won't necessarily have to hold on to the position all year. We have a lot of depth there. And then he took a breath and he said, at the same time, we need to know they'll be able to do it year in and year out. So like the fact that we have both guys and we can play the hot hand at any given time is, is a good thing. And the hot hand at any given time to me doesn't sound really supportive of either player or that he has a tremendous confidence that either player is going to get out and grab the job. The fact is, well, the guy might have it hold it all year, but if he doesn't, don't worry, we've got another guy to do that. That doesn't sound like he's sold on the pairing that's there. And maybe I'm just being uh, cynical, but it sure doesn't sound like it to me. And hello, Colorado.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's you know certainly interesting quote. I've kind of thought all you know thought all along that you know perhaps they keep Riley and Camargo from the beginning. I know we've talked on here that it makes more sense to send Riley down and let him get every day at bats, but you know I think there's a possibility too that he. He keeps both of them and, you know, kind of lets them battle it out even into the season. And like you said, kind of just ride the hot hand. You know, I don't know if that's the best strategy necessarily, but I I think it's certainly, you know, a possibility.
3: Well, here's the problem. It's the roster. We're already talking about uh, Felix Hernandez perhaps being the the fifth starter. He's not on the roster. We've already been talking about Yonder Alonso maybe being a bitch bat. He's not on the roster. If you're talking about both Camargo and Riley, there's some more roster spots. Now, while they're both on the 40 man roster, you can't put all those guys on the 26 man roster. So if you start having to add guys to the 40, you're going to have to take guys off the 40. Cause right now it's full. If you start adding more and more guys to the 26, somebody's got to come off of that as well. And, and some of these guys don't have options. So you're, you're going to create very quickly a big roster crunch if all these things were to come to pass. I don't think he can keep both Riley and Camargo up in the majors not simultaneously. And that it's precisely for that kind of reason. So, yeah, I, this plan to do third base this way has always been the last resort. Donaldson was supposed to be the answer. There may have been other possible answers that were along the way that we'd never heard about or or didn't get any uh, substantial rumors on, but this was always supposed to be the last option, and I don't think he's got confidence in it because this is back to the clarity and surety kind of a, uh, a thing that was being preached all, all season. This isn't that. I don't think he has that kind of confidence that they're ready to take the reins on the third base job and keep it year after year. If that's the case, then yeah, Fred picked up on something. And I think Anthopolis probably slipped in, in the way he was saying it. And I do think it that he's sending a signal that uh, perhaps there might be something brewing. Probably not yet because I think that the luxury tax is going to be a consideration, but, yeah, by midseason, uh, it's entirely possible we might be looking at an Arenado, and that would make perfectly good sense for to have somebody else who's offensively minded and defensively minded, of course, to help take down the Dodgers in postseason.
1: Yeah, I think I've gone on record as saying before, you know, if if something doesn't work out, there's there's options out there at third base that they can do during the season. Um, you know, I, I still think we go into the regular season. With either Camargo or Riley there, I know we both are, or we all kind of agree that, you know, Camargo is likely the favorite to start there. But again, I, I still think it's possible. I know I know you talk about the roster crunch, but, um, you know, there's guys that I can I can see cutting and uh, to get both of them on there. And Riley can play the outfield, too, as can Camargo. So, I mean, they both have positional flexibility uh, that could make some sense if they did keep both of them on the on the roster. But um, yeah, a little curious the way that, you know, in top that, you know, that maybe he doesn't have complete confidence in it. Um, you know, I, I honestly haven't seen much of either so far this spring. Camargo looks lighter, uh, or, or he is, um, down a good bit, but you know what that, what that means in as far as in better results, I'm not sure. Uh, the only thing I can say about Riley in the game that I saw is that he looked, you know, pretty good at third base. Um, you know, so that's a, a positive defensively, um, but you know, still too early really to, to read much into to their results. I think they're both one for seven so far. Um, I think I saw where um, Riley hasn't struck out yet, but he also hasn't walked yet. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't necessarily know that that means anything, but uh, I heard somebody else say that uh, today, but. Yeah, interesting quote there for sure. Um, he did you know, he did make a point of saying they both have options.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> so he, he's not against running them up and down as he needs fit. And he also made a point earlier on that, well, Camargo can play all over the field. The problem with keeping Riley up and putting him in the outfield is now that you've got Duvall, Marquecas, Enciarte, Acuna, Azuna, and Riley. Now you got six outfielders. Yeah. And I, I don't think that. I don't think that dog hunts, okay? Even though Ozuna sort of sounds like he'd rather have taken the job and ended up in St. Louis in his recent interview, uh, I think that um, I I don't think they can do that. I think whoever, whichever one's up, has to play third base uh, unless somebody gets injured, and then then all bets are off, of course.
1: Well, I'm of the mind that you know Duvall is can be cut loose at any point or traded. Even I, I think he's expendable, but. I said that last year
3: too and he no, had one I don't disagree with you on the playoffs, true. But. Yeah. yeah. and I think that you solve the roster crutch by taking the thirtieth, thirty-fifth guys on the forty man roster and doing a minor trade to to get somebody who's maybe a possible prospect. Uh, you do that the last week or two of spring training. We got a month to go, so we've got some time there and that that probably solves it. But it is something that's probably gonna have to be done.
1: Yeah, I mean it happens a lot at the end of spring training. Guys, they don't have options, you know, and you don't want them on your team. They're they're gonna get moved or in a minor deal or something. So, well, uh, twenty B free agents can move themselves. They can just opt out. Right. Yeah. So we'll see a lot of that, you know, towards the the end of spring training. But um, any other thoughts or any other takeaways before we get out of here, uh, Fred? I'll start with you.
2: Well, I, I thought Tookie looked pretty good in his his appearance uh, the other day. He's throwing the ball really hard, and he was getting a lot of movement on it. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, we're talking just a bit about trade when you mentioned that right there. I think that we have pieces that we could move to do exactly what Alan said without damaging us for this year. We can take pieces we have that are, you know, they're good pieces. They just don't quite fit with us, and we can get them to people who have need pieces that fit now, but have things that can sit in our system and, and help fill that gap in our system. But we're going to have all these good players graduating, and there's going to be a hole there in that system if we don't fill it up somehow. And uh, the way to do that is, of course, as Alan just said, take the pieces that don't quite fit and find people who have got pieces that you know are two or three, four years farther away than they want but do fit in our system. So I think that, you know, you're going to see some of that. I don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, I love Tukey. I've always liked that big curveball and, and the way he approaches the game and his his attitude. But I'm not sure he breaks into anything uh, for us this year. And uh, I, I think he needs to pitch. You know, I don't know what more he learns at the next level. And that makes him primary target for me. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of the other guys, too.
1: Yeah, I wrote about the Dookie outing the other day. He he looked all over the place to me for a lot of his outing, and then all of a sudden, the last batter he faced, he just carved him up with uh, the breaking pitches that just show you, you know, how good he can be um, when he he's got it all going. But I, I kind of agree with you, Fred. I think he's at the point now where it's he almost needs a change of scenery. Um, he's not going to get regular starts at the big league level unless you know a couple of more people get hurt or something. Um, so, you know, he, he's an obvious, you know, trade candidate if a move is to be made, but, uh, Alan, any other thoughts from you or what you're looking forward to see in the, the rest of spring training?
3: I just want to see everybody stay healthy. I want to see uh, good performances. We don't need to win the games per se, but I'd like to to see everybody continue to get their work in, get their timing going and, and get ready to hit the ground running in on March 26th.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think health is, uh, the biggest thing, um, you know, going through spring training. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this this next week. We'll get to see all the starting pitchers. You know, go through a second time and start to see them get into three or four innings. You know, that's when I think uh, you really can start to to gauge a little bit more of you know where they are. You know, spring training is for the pitchers. You want to see them get ramped up, uh, but most importantly, you want to see them stay healthy. So. Um, you know, by this time next week we talk again. We'll only be three weeks away from from opening day, so uh, it's coming coming up on us, and it'll be here you know before we know it. Um, but uh, good dis- discussions today, a lot of uh, good things uh, coming out of Braves camp. Uh, a lot of exciting young players. You know, I don't think we really got into Drew Waters or Christian Pache much. Um, you know, and honestly, neither one of them has really been too impressive to me so far um this spring i, I think you know waters has six strikeouts and and nine at bats um so ouch uh, yeah neither <laughs> neither one of them have been great probably struck out three times and and seven at bats uh both of them have a uh, one hit so and they actually came in back to back at bats i think they had uh they both singled and, and drove in a run on back to back at bats um So, you know, those are probably the two biggest names coming into spring training. A lot of people wanted to see, and I don't think either has really done much so far through the first week, but uh, definitely keep an eye on them, you know, going forward. They're they're talented players, and, um, you know, I I think if anything, it just kind of kills any notion that one of them, you know, had an outside shot to make the team, which wasn't likely. Um, They're both going to go back down and and get more seasoning, Um, but yeah, neither one of them has really... Stood out in the first week, but but yeah, got more games to go. Like I said, we're getting closer and closer to opening day, so uh, make sure that you t- tune in to the Tomahawk Take podcast. Uh, come back and check us out throughout spring trainings. We continue to talk about these uh, position battles and some of the young guys that that we're watching. Uh, make sure that you follow on tomahawktake.com, uh, reading uh, all of the articles uh, that all of our great uh, writers produce daily. So I uh, appreciate uh, your your attention and, and listening to the podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week.
3: This 2020 Healthcare Edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast is a production of tomahawktake.com and Fansided LLC. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of the participants. All rights reserved. Music used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 and features selections by Kevin MacLeod entitled Groundwork, Batty McFadden, Heartwarming, The Clean Version of Bad Ideas, and Amazing Plan. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.com. Thanks for listening today, and may your exit velocity always be high.